Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Lucas, with my co-host here, Jonathan. Jonathan, not a lot of Sixer stuff going on, but there is still football. When are we going to get this fantasy draft going, man? I'm ready for it. Let's beat Chris this year. Okay, you're right. That is on me. I have to get that kicked off. Um, I We only have – we need more people to sign up in the group, obviously. You got to talk to more people. You got to talk to more people. You're right. You got to DM them. Yes, Chris needs to be dethroned. That is the gist of it all. Um, Your eyes said he can't. I don't do it, want right? him. What? Your eyes said he couldn't do it, right? Yeah, um, that's a shame. Honestly, we can't have Chris talking Jokic and and win fantasy football. So yeah, this will be no, big. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to kick it off. Hopefully, without my responsibilities of site expert, now I can actually fa- focus on fantasy football a little bit. We'll see. <laughs> but in the meantime, there is some Sixers news going on, and it kind of flew under the radar. But it's an interesting. I'm just going to say interesting because I'm not trying to be a jerk or cynical here, and I'm just going to say interesting piece of news. For those that have been living under a rock, uh, the news broke, uh, I believe, earlier this week or um, last week, I want to say, um, at some point that Montrez Harrell, veteran backup center of the Philadelphia 76ers, during, a, I think it was a pickup game or some type of scrimmage, uh, tore his ACL and his meniscus. Now, as somebody that's had a torn ACL and meniscus, it is not a fun injury. It's pretty painful. And the recovery time for that, he's expected to miss the whole season. That being said, Jonathan, what was your initial reaction? Because you didn't really know until I told you right before we came on. Well, I knew he got hurt. I did not know the injury yet. I had uh, I was a little off the radar this weekend. But um, interesting is the word. I mean, I think that's what we're going to stick with. Um, we have, a uh, obviously, a log jam at centers. So hopefully this clears up more playing time for all the other centers on the roster. I think you and I both were under the impression that we did not understand necessarily why Trez was coming back, didn't know how he fit. I guess we aren't going to get that answer this year, unfortunately. Um, but is it yeah, really all that unfortunate? Jonathan, is it really all that unfortunate? Politically it's... correct answer is yes. And we yes, wish that... him all the best. Of course and we, we wish hope him all he the heals best. fast. Of course, we wish him all the best, but is it, is, yeah, politically correct, I suppose. It's not right. unfortunate for this team going deep in the playoffs. No, correct. No, okay, okay. So, yeah, no, I I was um, I was surprised. You know, he's had a pretty healthy career so far. To, just, so to say that this was a surprising turn of events is an understatement. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he returns from this injury because, uh, you know, Montrez, he's undersized, so he's had to rely on athleticism for most of his career. And, you know, this type of injury, I can talk firsthand. Granted, I'm not a professional athlete, but it did take away a good amount of my uh, explosiveness. So we'll see what happens there. How, uh, I guess we kind of know that this will impact the depth chart, but exactly how do you think it plays out? 
I mean, if I was the coach, this is not impacting the depth chart because I don't think I was going to play Trez too much. Um, but he obviously got playing time last year. I think Nick Nurse and the front office, they brought him back for a reason, so he was probably going to get some playing time. Honestly, this this just means that Mo Bamba and Paul Reed are going to get more, like not just four, like playing the four alongside Embiid. They'll definitely get more backup center minutes and and other people on the bench will as well. I think that the maybe Petrasev will even get in. Honestly, it's just... Um, it's good that we had so much front court because they'll need to play behind Embiid, but we were hoping for more flexibility. This probably just diminishes that ever so slightly. Not too big of a deal. Yeah, I don't think this initiates the regular game-to-game depth chart. I think we both expected to see a lot of uh, Paul Reed and Mo Bamba, not too much Trez, but it does impact a couple different things. I don't, I don't think we'll see as much uh, Petrushev in the G League, I was almost, you know, going to pencil him as exclusively G League player, but now there's a chance for him to get the occasional NBA run, especially when Joel misses a game. And speaking of when Joel misses a game, I, I think you don't have to worry about Montrez getting the start now. I think you're going to have to go with Paul Reed. I think that that's the smart one because, you know, during the season last year, Doc Rivers, who's, you know, no longer coach of the team, relied on uh, Trez as the spot starter. But now, you know, new head coach, new situation, no Trez now. I think you're going to go with Paul Reed. And, I mean, I think that would be the right choice. Is is this – let me ask you this. You know, obviously his contract's guaranteed. I don't I don't know if they're – I'd have to check the CBA because I honestly don't know. But assuming that they are allowed – to waive Montrez, you know, assuming that his contract's fully guaranteed. Um, is this a blessing in disguise for the, for the Sixers? That would open up another roster spot. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, you and I are on the same page. Even Noah last week when he came on saying that that was the most confusing move of the offseason, re-signing, um, re-signing Trez. So, at the end of the day, I think a lot of us see it as a blessing in disguise. Hopefully, maybe there is an ability to get a roster spot. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, but and I don't know if they can waive him. That's another thing. I'd, I'd have, I don't know what the new rules under the new CBA are, so I, I'd have to do some deep dive on that. But yeah, but that and but the thing is, again, I, I think us and the front office slash coaching staff clearly have a different view of this. So from their point of view, maybe it's not a blessing in disguise. Maybe they did have some backup role that they were penning him into but um in my opinion yes it is what about you what do you think yeah, i think I, I think it is i mean regard i mean they could apply for a dis- disabled player exception but that doesn't open up another roster spot it just gives them an uh, you know an exception to use on a player um i don't and he's on a minimum anyway so i don't even think that the disabled player exception comes into play here i i i is this a blessing in disguise? I think it takes a real, you know, burden off the mind of the Sixers fans of worrying, how, how, you know, whether or not we're going to have to play Montrez. Because, you know, looking back, you could argue that Trez is probably one of the worst backups that that Joel has had, not, not one of the best. And honestly, if you're going to bring it back an old backup for Joel, I'd rather bring back Boban than um than Trez, because yep. at least Boban and Toby were a fun dynamic to watch. It still are, by the way. Yep. Um, that would be the Toby and Bo, uh, Boban show is always fun to watch. Great but. goldfish, com- great goldfish commercials. You, you know what? Bo- I think so. Boban has not signed yet, and hot take here. I don't think he's going to sign. I think he's going to embrace that Hollywood life and start being like a you know, media mogul type thing. I think he's going to be in a lot of commercials, do a lot of, I think he's going to be kind of obviously not Shaq because Shaq, Shaq, but like Boban, he's going to have his own little niche in Hollywood. I think, look, he's already in his, you know, he could have a niche. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, look, he was great in the John Wick movie. Have you seen his, his, uh, his part in that? I saw, I didn't see the movie, but I saw like a clip of him in it. Yeah, no, uh, you know, he could very well be like the next Andre the Giant type of guy where, you know, if you need somebody really big in a movie, he could be that guy. But yeah, I'm getting off topic here and that's OK, because honestly, off season, that's OK. We're in the lull. Yeah, but but no, yeah, well, I, I, I'd rather have Boban than than 
um, Montrez. That being said, we do wish the best for Montrez. We do hope that he recovers. And in in, in all actuality, you know, we'll 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 see what happens. I if they are allowed to waive him, I would not be surprised if they do. But if not, yeah, you know, he'll be quote unquote a, a coach in the locker room type deal. That being said, let's go to yeah. our next topic, Jonathan. Absolutely. Well, we cannot talk Sixers offseason without Harden, and I'm sure some listeners, not just here, anywhere in Philly, are getting tired of the topic. But honestly, tell me what else is out there. Until this is resolved, there's going to be some question, like a lot of questions about what we get back if he's going to stay on the team in the offseason. So important topic here. And I think we said last week, and it's pretty noted that he wants to go to the Clippers. So little curveball. I want you to name three teams who are not the Clippers who might trade for James Harden. Well, I'm not going to say might trade, but I would say would make sense as a landing spot. Does that, does that make any sense? I, I feel like that would make more sense to say. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm going to go with that. And with that in mind, the first team that I have here, just hear me out. The Orlando magic. Okay. Hear me out. You're Harden can still, fine. Huh? Okay, okay. Just, just give me out. Now, I don't know what we would get back. It's probably going to be some compilation of young players, draft picks. They have draft picks. They have young players, all of which I think, you know, would be good in, you know, trade for another star type package. You could get Jonathan Isaac, maybe Markel, though I don't think Markel should come back here. Not because I don't want him, but I just don't think that's good for him. Um, maybe Anthony... Uh, Cole Anthony, you know, some something along, you know, something based along that. But like, it's not a big deal. So you get you get the package back. But I think Harden makes sense for them because they're trying to make the next leap, right? They're trying to be a playoff team. And in the East, that's not easy. And while they do have two great franchise quarterstones and Franz Wagner and Paolo Bancaro, who I think are going to be really two dynamic forwards in the NBA, I still think they need somebody to orchestrate the offense. And while Markell's good. James is just that much better, and he can go. He's another guy that can go get his own shot, and he can. He can, you know, whenever Franz and or, you know, Boncaro are on the bench, he can still play hard and ball, which I think would be a good fit for him. Orlando's not a bad place. Drove through there once, you know, been been to Disney World. It's not bad. It's not bad. Florida's generally bad right now, but that's more political, and we're not getting into that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Orlando wouldn't be a bad spot. What do you think? What's your first team? I'm going to go with the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm open right, to so hearing here's, about this one. Okay. It's just because, again, it seems to be young teams, built, or a young core built around Webinyama. They don't want to, like, try and jumpstart anything too quickly. But then there was, like, low-key sleeper rumors about the Dame Lillard potential to um, San Antonio because he had good relation with Greg Popovich. Not that that was going to happen, but just that, like, brief storyline interested me a lot. And I thought, you know what? Like, if you can get a really good, even, like, a scoring point guard, but they, like, they shoot first, but they're good at passing, can open the floor for Wembenyama, maybe. So, I mean, we're doing doing hypotheticals, so that's what I was going with. So... My only rebuttal to that, and you can rebuttal my Orlando thing too if you want, but my rebuttal to that is, you know Greg Popovich is all about culture and sacrifice. We know James is nothing about culture or sacrifice, so nothing. why why would – I don't see San Antonio wanting to do that. Or, you know – That's fair. Giving up anything of significance to do that. So that's, no, that's my – No, I understand. Thought. What do you think – do you have any rebuttal against my Orlando thing or no? I just think they're too young, but I do understand what you're saying with it. And, I, and you know, as an outside shot, maybe. But I don't maybe. think Fultz should come back. That's I don't like I don't think out. so either. I just don't think it's a good mesh at this point. Um, next team. Okay. It'd have to be a three-team trade. But Minnesota. You send them to that Minnesota. That was one of mine. That was that, one of mine. Yeah. Minnesota. I'm glad we're on the same page. So we'll both talk about Minnesota here. You'd have the trade cat. Cat or, and you know, honestly, so here's my hot take. I think cat's a better fit next to Aunt Edwards than Gobert. But for the Sixers' sake, you'd have to trade cat 
because the Sixers want assets in return. You have to trade them to a third team, maybe the Knicks, maybe the Magic. I'm not 100% sure on who that third team would be. But, you know, a third team to where, you know, you can get assets back for Cat and then, you know, put, you know, Harden next to Anthony Edwards and Gobert. That that works. I like that that works. It's kind of like, you know, and he, he doesn't have to be the number one scorer every night with Aunt Edwards. And, you know, I know that he's he's had a hard time succeeding that a little bit. But, you know, I, I, I like that fit. You know, they could get rid of Conley in the deal, too, because Conley's kind of old. But, yeah, I, I like that fit. Or they can keep Conley. I don't know. I You know, I thought, again, Harden is not necessarily a – point guard like he is a point guard obviously but he, he can be a score first point guard he played with chris paul he, he played with russell westbrook so yeah i don't think it's necessarily awful well, if he's alongside conley well okay how, hold up hold up you bring up a good point because me and chris talked about this last year will james harden be remembered as a shooting guard or a point guard point guard for sure you think so huh I mean, look, he played, like you said, until like his last like couple seasons. I mean, he's always been ball dominant, kind of like Kobe was. But like, you know, he did play with some prolific point guards, uh, Russ, um, Chris, and even even to an extent, uh, John Wall very briefly, though the Wall was way, well past. I still think front. he's a point guard, though. Like, OK, he is absolutely a shoot first point guard. There's a clear difference between shoot first and pass first. But he also like his court vision is great. I I think he will be remembered as a. But as but a point like guard. okay, how many shooting guards has he been in a starting lineup with? I mean, you could make the argument that Tyrese Maxey's a shooting guard. Okay, fine. You still he had Patrick Beverly before Chris Paul got to Houston. When he was in uh, OKC, he he was coming off the bench uh, because Russ Russ was the starting. I I see him. It's it's hard. He's kind of like in the AI type of thing only he's a much better convert you know playmaker than ai was but like okay is ai shooting guard or point guard i always saw ai as a shooting guard but you know but there was that like twitter you know back and forth between the positions for ai and i think that's kind of where harden is so i mean i think it's you, you, all right you bring up a good point i was just about to say i had not considered it that the ai perspective he does remind me a lot of ai i like that comparison in terms of like of like how you might try to classify him. And I definitely saw AI as more of a shooting guard. That's an interesting, that's an interesting point. And and here's another thing you could say, Oh, well, James Harden's playing point guard now. Yes. But we call Tim Duncan, the greatest power forward of all time. But really after let's say Kirk Thomas's time in San Antonio, which was, I think was the last season was what? Like 2009. Cause that's the last real center he's played with that Tim Duncan played with started it again, you know, cause Boris Diaw was more of a, a power forward. I mean, he, you know, but like Tim was really the center, but like he was a center, but all but a name. And I, you know, you can make the argument that yeah, James has played point guard the past two seasons, the past two, three seasons with, you know, the nets and the Sixers, but like in actuality, he's been a point guard for most of his career too. I mean, a shooting guard for most of his career. So like, I, and you know, because I don't know if you saw this, um, and I forgot to put this in the agenda, but while we're on it, I know we're getting off the beaten path here, but just follow me, okay, Jonathan? Did you see Jeff sure. Teague's comments about James Harden and Dwayne Wade? I did not, and I like listening to Jeff Teague. So. Okay, so Jeff Teague, former NBA veteran, one-time All-Star, played for the, uh, I think, the Hawks primarily for his career. Yeah. Um, he said that, he would ra- he has James Harden as a better shooting guard than Dwayne Wade. I mean, see, this is where it gets like really tricky because in my mind, I, I think there was what th- two, three years where Harden may have been the best offensive player in the history of basketball. Didn't he average like 35, 36, 38, like three years? Something crazy. So, something was, crazy like that, yeah. He was legitimately legitimately unstoppable on offense it was like i mean but i think Dwayne wade has the championships he has the longevity he won before lebron like i know he had shaq but shaq was older it's such a tough one because if you're doing like peak i think absolutely harden's peak was higher well not absolutely but i would say 
it's close. Harden's peak was higher. But I think Dwayne Wade is the better, like, career. So, you know, we were alive when Dwayne, you know, we were, like, preteens, you know, older kids when um, Dwayne Wade was in his prime. Dwayne Wade is the better two-way player, better team player, like, will be able to sacrifice for a team. Like one on one, you you got to give it to James Harden because he can get his you know during his prime he was he could get it from anywhere. But in terms of being able to you know rally it, be a leader, rally a team, get a champion, a couple championships. Now, granted, in James's defense, he ran into arguably one of the toughest dynasties that we've seen in the past thirty years with the Golden yep. State Warriors. You, you got to take that into consideration. But I think. If we're going with championships and two-way play, because two-way play is important. Dwayne Wade, one of the best shot-blocking two guards of all time, like easily. You're not wrong. I, I think we're gonna have to go with Dwayne, which br- brings me to my next point. Like now, I have to think about it. Like, if I'm categorizing James as a shooting guard, where do I have him in the hierarchy? I think I have him number five right now. I, I think I have him number five. Uh, I need more. T- I need more time to decide on that. I mean, I've been thinking about this for a while, so let me just go through my yeah, yeah. You got MJ number one, Kobe number two. I got D-Wade number three, AI number four, and probably until recently I had Jerry West as number five, but I think I'm going to slide Harden into that spot now. Okay. I mean, it sounds good. I, I would definitely – I. I'm okay with that list, having not had the time to do a deep dive. Yeah, sorry, but we need to get back on track to the other three teams now. Okay, so we well, both other had, one. Yeah, yeah. So we still we we've named two teams for each of us. We both had Minnesota as our second team. I had Orlando. You had San Antonio. So I guess it's my turn again for number three. And this is yeah. where I, I I'll be honest. I'm struggling with this third one a little bit. So give me a, th- a second just to think about it, unless you have somebody in my uh, another team. Oh, I mind. have one. Go ahead. Go for it. I'll go number three first. So okay. I'm going Miami Heat. Uh, okay. Clearly Harden wants to get to a destination city. I mean, Houston necessarily may not necessarily be a destination city for a lot of people, but for him it is. Now he's talking about L.A., only L.A. Miami clearly wants some upgrade. Like they've, I think they've been to the finals two of the last four years and – like they they just seem like they can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, I think having Jimmy run point occasionally like helped out. They lost Max Struess and Gabe Vincent, Vincent, their actual point guards. They're going all in on Dame. If Portland doesn't like Dame's offer, because it sounds like Brian Windhorst said that like he doesn't see any other teams truly offering like good things for Dame and or good packages, and he doesn't even think that he are. So if that package doesn't pan out i just don't think pat riley's gonna sit on his hands i think he might try and do something and who knows maybe you try and take a shot at harden so that was my number three okay okay i have my number three and we've talked about in the past but before i get into that i'm gonna talk i'm gonna say one thing about yours do you think that pat riley believes that james harden can be a heat culture guy and do you think that james harden can fit in that heat culture i i don't think so i don't think so i don't know that that that's my biggest hang up on there, but I do like the fit. The fit makes sense. That being said, my number three, and I'm surprised you didn't say it because I totally forgot about this team, is the Chicago Bulls. Okay. I mean, we've talked about in the past. You could go for Demar or Zach Levine. I I think I'd rather have Demar. Oh, gosh, so tough. I don't know. That's a tough one because, like, DeMar, you still have the cap flexibility for next offseason, but he's not a great fit with Joel because he doesn't really spread the floor. But he he is a closer, and he is a mid-range assassin. I just don't know if that that works. He's kind of like Jimmy Butler, right? He's kind of like Jimmy Butler, obviously not as good as defensively, but, like, offensively very similar, I would say. Kind of like a point forward now in a way. Uh, That would work well next to Maxi. Um, and defensively, he's not a liability. And, you know, but then you have Zach Levine. He's a buddy of Joel Embiid's. Um, he can he can play off the ball. And, you know, you want Tyrese to kind of run the show. And I don't think I really want Zach Levine playmaking too much. I'd rather him either go for him 
in for a dunk or, you know, three point take on that Ray Allen type of role, really. Um, that Ray Allen took on with the uh, Boston Celtics. But either one is a good I, – I would be okay with either one. But, you know, and Zach's, you know, issue is health and defense. But, like, either one has their pros and cons, but either one would be a suitable replacement for Harden and it would allow Maxie to run the show a lot more. Yeah, definitely. And well, here's the thing. You could right. – if you trade James – okay, it's clearly DeMar and – and uh, Levine aren't working, and you've been struggling at point guard since Lonzo's left. So maybe you know you switch out James for Demar. You still are on the same timeline in terms of like free agency. So I, I'm okay with that. I you know I think that James fits in Chicago as well. Now I don't know if he'd be happy there, but he. Chicago's front office clearly is okay with overpaying their players. Uh, Vucevic is the prime example this summer. So I I like Chicago. And I think that if they have a rough start to the beginning of the season, you know, and we haven't traded James yet, that's definitely a team to keep an eye on. Yeah, I I actually like that one too. I, I didn't think of it. I, but thinking yeah. about that's future trades for Harden, right? Mm-hmm. Past trades – for Harden, we Trent, we obviously sent Ben Simmons out. Uh, what do you like? Do you think that trading for Harden in that like scenario timeline was a mistake? Were there realistically maybe other options out there, and Tyrese Halliburton, CJ McCollum, or or maybe someone else? The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, I mean, there those two were, you know, rumored, and obviously hindsight twenty twenty, you probably wanted to get Tyrese Halliburton because he's looking to be a top five point guard in the near future if he's not there yet. I think I had him ranked sixth right now in the NBA, which isn't too far off from being top five. He averages twenty and ten this past season with the Pacers. I don't think he'd average quite that much, but he'd be a good fit next to Maxi because he can cover Maxi's defensive woes. Maxi could really focus on scoring the ball, and they both play with a lot of pace. I I, I think they should have gone for Tyrese, and Tyrese was rumored at the time. I don't know if you remember that, but he was he was rumored at the time. I think I was pushing for it. I think Chris is Chris was it was like yeah Tyrese is good, and but you want to win now with Joel. I remember the conversation that me and Chris had about it. Um, with CJ, CJ was like, yeah, CJ be okay, but he's not, you know, I, you know, but he's not an all-star. He's not a game changer. And like, I was okay for CJ if we got enough picks. And I, I even remember hearing a report saying that, you know, like Portland called about Ben and, you know, Maury wanted like see like and they were offering cj he's like has to be cj plus like at least three first round picks because i guess he didn't see cj as an all-star and i you know i get it because he's not an all-star he's like really good starter you know he's he's borderline all-star at least he was during his prime i don't know if he's in his prime anymore but you know he'd be a really good scoring bunt punch for sure but i just 
CJ was not my uh, my biggest thing there, um, but he was an option, not a terrible option, and obviously he wouldn't have the you know locker room issues that we're having now. Yeah, I mean, I so I heard Daryl Morey talk on uh, Philly Sports Talk Radio a couple weeks ago, and they asked them pretty directly about like the Tyrese Halliburton. This it was kind of this question that I asked you, but like a little. A little different, and he he said he can't talk about current players in the league, obviously, but that the organization was very confident that the deal they got done was the best being offered at that time. So, I mean, obviously, a GM doesn't want to openly maybe admit like, oh, like we took a deal that wasn't the best out there. But I kind of believed Maury in that scenario. I don't know if maybe they were asking for more for Halliburton. Yeah, that's what I think. I can see Sacramento saying, okay, we'll take Ben, but we also want like a first round pick or something. I can see Sacramento playing hardball like that. Yeah, right. And then I think the point is like they were trying to get off of that Ben Simmons contract. He'd been there for six months, just or four months, just miserable. Like I think all things considered, they probably did get the best deal done, but. Uh, so I don't think, I think hindsight's twenty twenty, but I, I don't think it was a mistake. I don't think it was a mistake, but I, look, if, if you asked me to give up like a first round, like the same, pa- essentially the same package that we got for, you know, J- James Harden for Tyrese and let's just say Matt, uh, Harrison Barnes, because the, the money needed the, the match. I don't think the Sixers. I mean, it would have been it would have sucked to lose Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. But looking back, uh, looking how good Tyrese is now, I, I think it would have paid off in the long run. Uh, is there any other players that you can think of? I, I think of one, but I don't think Ben would have been a good fit in that scenario. A player that's moved recently, actually a couple. Who I is guess. it? So I had two players that I could think of that you know you could have traded Ben for maybe. Is Bradley Beal? You know, uh, that 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 could definitely yeah. be been an option. I, I I heard rumblings at the time, but I don't think Washington or Beal was ready to move on at that point. And the other one is Jalen Brunson. Obviously, at the time, Jalen Brunson. Obviously, at the time, Jalen Brunson's value was nothing close to what Ben Simmons was. Like the you know it just. Probably it was a non-even conversation because Jalen Brunson, I think, was still trying to, uh, you know, find his footing. I mean, he was starting to have a good season. His first good season with the with the Mavericks before he had that great playoff run. But, like, you know, obviously that wasn't really in the runnings there. But, like, I I honestly don't think Ben Simmons and Luka would have been a good fit either because they're both really ball dominant. I just don't see that working. But – I wouldn't have mind having Jalen Brunson come here. Yeah. I mean, again, I think at that point, you don't know. And hindsight's twenty twenty. But, um, yeah. yeah. It is what it is for now, right? So now it we've got to get to your last rankings. Yes, the last. The center rankings are out, Jonathan. And I'm wondering how much you're going to hate me. I'm wondering how much. For this? Huh? Should we have Chris on for this? I don't think we want to hear his responses. That okay, being said, maybe I'll be okay with it. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Um, regardless, I don't think I would want to hear Chris's response for this. Okay, so number thirty, Daniel Gafford of the Washington Wizards. They're going in a rebuild. They got this rookie Vucevic. I think is like not not related to Nikola, but like or not some some type of you know, Eastern European guy that has a similar name to Nikola uh, Vucevic, but not quite. Um, so, uh, you know, Daniel Gafford's been a part-time star- starter for the Wizards the past two seasons. He's going to have a career-high minutes and games played. He's going to put up some big stats. He could climb on this list. I like Daniel Gafford. I've always liked Daniel Gafford. And, you know, I just feel like he's like – he needs to – he's like that player that hasn't quite figured out his body yet, but he's, like, really good otherwise. 29 is Zach Collins. You know, we talked about it last rankings that Victor Wembanyama is going to be playing power forward. So Zach Collins is going to be the stretch five. I think he's a 6'11". Um, really good, you know, 
three-point shooter. Okay, like not really great defensively, but you know that's why you have Victor. But you know he can body up the big guys, so that that's and he can stretch the floor. And you know he has struggled with injury, so if he doesn't, maybe Charles Bassey, former Sixers player, gets a shot at it. Speaking of former Sixers players, I have Rashawn Holm at twenty-eight. Um, it could be Dwight Powell, it could be Derek Lively, but right now I'm thinking Rashawn Holmes is going to get it because I Dwight Powell has not contributed to winning recently in in Dallas, and Lively is just too young. So, you know, I think a new change of scenery should, would be really good for Rashawn. So hopefully that works. 27 Hornets second year big man Mark Williams showed some really good uh, flashes defensively might be the first center that they've taken in like the past like 10 plus years that actually has the potential to be like a really good starter Uh, and then 26 Pistons big man Jalen Duran I know that they have Isaiah Stewart James Wiseman and even Marvin Bagley Jr. But I feel like Jalen Duran's going to come out. He's a really big guy. He's 6'10", but he's built like a train. So I think – and he showed really good defensive skills. So I think he's going to be their center. You got a problem with these top – Huh? The only thing is you don't think – I think Stewart's going to start. Stewart, they've been playing him more at the four because he can stretch the floor. And he's a little undersized. (sighs) That's the other – that's the only – the other thing. He's like 6'8". It's a little undersized for – Yeah, but he's, he's, he's big. I know he's big. I know he's big, but like he has limitations because of his height and Dern's better defensively. They need defense. Lord, they need defense. Anyway. All right. So you're okay with that so far? We're okay so far? Yeah, that was the only thing. Yep. Okay. Okay. 25, Yusuf Nurkic. Uh, Injuries, part of the reason why he's down here, but like, and he's a, Solid two-way big, but, like, he's starting to get a little long in the tooth. I know he's still, like, not that old, but injuries seem like he has aged him a few years. Uh, Yaka Pirtles, 24, got paid, but not really much on offense. Really good interior defender, but that's it. Clint Capella's loss is athleticism, and honestly, I would not be surprised if he gets traded at some point so that uh, Yaki on Kongu can start uh, in in Atlanta instead. Mitchell Robinson's 22. We know he's a rim-running defensive center. And Walker Kessler's 21. I think he can make a big jump this year. He showed a lot of promise last year as a defender. And, as, you know, maybe he can stretch the floor a little bit. We'll see. So far, so I good. think Walker Kessler should be much higher. Look, he can be. He probably will be. He could very well be in the top 12 by, you know, midseason or the end of the year. But, like, so far, I just – I got to – I'm trying to temper our expectations. I'm trying not to. Get I guess I it. haven't. Yeah, I haven't been fully through this list um, in detail, so we will see who the next twenty are. Okay. And now, like, what separates Walker Kessler and the next like couple guys is like a very small margin. Okay. So you could talk uh, me yeah. into him jumping over a couple of these guys. Okay. Honestly, he okay. could jump to number like seventeen, and I probably won't argue that much. 20, Alperin Shengun needs to get better defensively, but ha- offensively has the school- tools to be a really special playmaking big. Um, Wendell Carter Jr.'s 20, uh, 19, really good two-way big. A uh, little under, you know, not undersized, but needs to get better as a rebounder, but overall good. I got Chet Holmgren, 18, and I know we haven't really seen him play in the NBA. Uh, missed his rookie season due to injury, but like summer league showed us a lot defensively. He is just so special, and offensively, I think he'll be good enough. Six seventeen yeah. is Nick Claxton, really good defensive. You know, one of the most, if not the versatile, most versatile defensive big in the NBA and shot block. One of the better shot blockers, but we know for a fact Joel can bully him whenever. So the thin frame is a double-edged sword for Claxton. And then 16 is Steven Adams. You know, Steven Adams always feels like that average NBA center, strongest center in the NBA, by the way. Um, but, yeah, I, I think 16 is a good spot for Steven Adams. And he yeah, so I think you hit – well, I think you hit it on the head that um, this is kind of like fluid from maybe like 21 through 16, you know. Yeah. I think all these players are extremely close. Like uh, when we're saying speculating before, Chet Holmgren, we don't know. You're right. It's only been Summer League. He could fire up this list. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Nick Claxton, 
Nick Claxton has like I feel like he's a little inconsistent like game to game, but overall, like you said, extremely versatile. And it makes you look at like the difference between him being extremely versatile, Steven Adams being more of a big man down low. I've always loved Steven Adams, and I think he brings a lot more than just like scoring points and getting rebounds to that team, especially being like a veteran on the Grizzlies. Yeah, I so had him as like, I like he's him the best there. Box out big man, and like he's the best at boxing out anybody in the NBA, and he's an excellent screen setter too. Like those yeah. things are really undervalued, and he's a great offensive rebounder. Like I think one of the best, actually. I I I pretty sure he is, and so I think if I value a little more than just his like skill set, that I might put him a little higher. But no, not any huge uh, disagreement here. I think as we've said, they're all pretty close. So it's all just right. a, like tit tat. Yeah, here comes the next five. Jonas Valanciunas, if he was, you know, if he had played 15, 20 years ago, he'd probably be an all-star based off his uh, offensive game. Like, he's that good offensively. They just don't run enough plays for him, honestly, in the post. Um, a little, you know, limited defensively, but that's okay. He's he's good enough. I got – so I am a big Kayvon Looney fan, and I have him 14th on this list. He's undersized, yes, at six foot nine. But the guy is so such a smart player, such a hardworking player. He's the first player in NBA history that had three 20-point, 20 uh, 20-rebound games in a single series this past year. So uh, like the, the I guy, think he's very high. You think so? Okay. I, well, I'm not a Kevon Looney guy. Okay. Well, we can agree to disagree on that. I think he's a great okay. – especially for what Golden State needs him to do. He's a versatile defender. He's an excellent screen center. He, he's good rebounder and has a high basketball IQ, and he fits perfectly into what they need. Okay. Next yeah. is Avicha Zubac. I, I think he's really underrated, and I think he's one of the best defensive centers. And, you know, he's really – he's under – you know, he's he's underappreciated as an offensive scorer in interior. So I got him 13th. I got Rudy Gobert 12th, which I know would drive Chris absolutely insane, but I got Rudy Gobert 12th. You know, he struggled last year. Maybe it's a sign of him, you know, taking a step back, you know, declining. Or maybe he just needed a year to adjust in, in Minnesota. I don't know. We'll find out next year. Uh, and then I got Jared Allen, number 11th. Yeah, so, I mean, the Warriors with their flexible lineup, obviously, Kevon Looney doesn't start at center maybe like half the games. But I also, I, as I said before, not too big on him. Um I still think, like, I'd have Walker Kessler above almost everyone on this list, even based on last wow. year. Wow, you must be a big Kessler fan. Wow, no. I am I, a big I, Kessler fan. I, I mean, I am too, but I don't see him being that good. Not yet. Like, he could he could very well be, you know, knocking on the door for top 10 next offseason. But for now, let me, let me get another year of his play. Let me see if he can progress as an offensive player. Let's see if he can clean up some of his defensive mistakes last year, but I, I am very high on him too. All right. And I know it's just like 16, 15, but I think Steven Adams is better than Jonas Valanciunas. Similar games, but I'd much rather have uh, Steven Adams. And I'd I'd rather have Jan Valanciunas, but you know, I also like low post scores. So maybe that's why I put him up, up higher. All right. Number 10, Nikola Vucevic. Had to change his game a lot playing next to DeMar and Zach, but he's, you know, double-double machine and a little bit of an underrated defender and a good playmaker. Um, Miles Turner had a career year with the Pacers last year. He's probably the purest 3 and D center that you can think of in the NBA. Um, Obviously, he can rim run too, but, like, you know, his, his, you know, pick and pop is his skill set, and he's really good defensively. would fit on most teams in the NBA, almost every team in the NBA. DeAndre Hunter, I, no, sorry, not DeAndre Hunter. Wow. What's, <laughs> what am I, is De, was DeAndre Hunter a center for the six? What, which Hunter was no, I'm thinking? DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter is a shooting guard. No, he's a small forward for the, for the Hawks. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I, and now I'm thinking of Stephen Hunter. Remember him for the, for the Sixers? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, no, DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden. I have at number eight, you know, can be a top five center when fully engaged, but last year he wasn't. The relationship between him and former head coach Monty Williams and the organization has been fractured. 
Maybe Frank Vogel can get him back to that level because Frank Vogel's good with big men. We saw with Roy Hibbert. We saw with Anthony Davis. So maybe we'll see that again with Aiden. I don't know, but he could be very well traded. Number seven, I have Brooke Lopez. Despite being a 15-year veteran, this guy has gotten even better. Despite being an all-star like in his younger days, you know, he's a little bit more than a three and D guy because he can't he can't post up anybody down low if he wants to. But like he he can definitely play that three and D role to to you know Q. Um I got Kristaps Porzingis at number six. He had a career year with the Wizards last year. Really good defensive player, can shoot up, shoot the uh outside mid-range can even post up a little bit now uh we'll see how he does with the celtics so far so good so so i think that he's had a couple good years maybe one good year last year but since then similar to how i said before like some players are inconsistent i expect porzingis to play really well but based on just not just last year looking at the couple recent years i just think it's been slightly disappointing so i think six might be a little high here uh, deandre ayton also i think that his impact on the suns is like rapidly diminishing and uh i i maybe eight is a good spot now but i don't see him being up there towards the end of the year um we'll see what happens we'll see what happens all right number yeah. five bam Adebayo. all right you know, it's crazy. He averaged a career year in scoring this past year, around 20, but we don't think of him as a scorer. He's the, the you know, uh, you know. I said earlier that Nick Claxton's one of the most versatile defensive centers, but it's really Bam Adebayo. He can guard one through five. And, you know, and his playmaking's underrated too. So, you know, Bam's, you know, one of the better centers in the NBA, despite being undersized. Uh, Sabonis is number four. I was tempted to put him number three, but offensively, he's he's not a 20-point-per-game score. Yeah, he needs to be a little bit more dominant scoring-wise. He needs to be a little better defensively. But the playmaking's there, the rebounding's there. You just need a little bit more, right? Number three, a guy, yeah. Anthony Davis. He could be in the arguably the top two if he could actually stay healthy and be consistently dominant. But consistency and health is his biggest enemies right now. Number two. I have dun, Joel Embiid. And I hate to say that, but playoffs matter. And Joel has not gotten out of the second round yet. We know that he's the the best two-way center in the NBA, leading scorer for the NBA the past two seasons, MVP winner this past year. All the regular season stuff Joel has done, now he needs to do in the playoffs. And because he hasn't, I got him number two. And number one has to be Nikola Jokic. Two-time MVP, a Finals MVP, a lot more accolades, passable enough on defense, um, and arguably the, uh, easily the best passing big man in the NBA. You could argue now that he's getting himself into the conversation for our top 10 passer of all time, regardless of position in the NBA. Look, if Joel can prove it in the playoffs, great. He can take, you know, then the conversation, he could be back in the conversation for number one center. But right now, he can't. He can't be. And I hate to say it. No, look, you nailed it with this top five list, honestly. I think these are the correct five um, and in the correct order. AD getting that monster contract recently. I think the highest AAV now, even over Jalen Brown. Um, But, yeah, I, I... Chris will be proud of us because we were carrying the Joel Embiid torch as as long as we could for as far as we could. It's just, unfortunately, it is undeniable that currently in the game, Jokic is the best. And maybe next year that'll change. Embiid could put in some offseason work. I mean, he was the MVP, but we need some, we need some getting to the conference finals. He needs to do something in the playoffs, uh, stay healthy, keep us on the floor. But yeah, all in all, I think this is a great top five list. Yeah, I, 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 I don't think you could argue the top five here. And look, like pretty much from like you could make an argument from like like six through ten is fluid, and then like eleven through twenty one is fluid. I, I think that's fair to say. And like, there's the, a lot of parity. I think outside of the top three, I think there's a tier like it. And look, Sabonis is great, but I think after the top three, there's a little tier down, and then you're right. There's a lot of parity in the middle. Yeah, I I would say if we're putting this into tiers, one through three is tier one, four through 
seven is tier two, eight through eight through ten is tier three, and then eleven through twenty one is tier four, and then tier five is the rest twenty two through thirty. I think that's fine. I think that's a good one. Yeah. But look, I mean, the center position, you know, we thought it was going to be dead for a few years because after Dwight Howard, like, really messed up his back, the power vacuum for, you know, elite center was was an issue. And, I mean, like, you'd say Al Horford was one of the best centers in the NBA at the time, and that's not a – like, Al Horford's great, don't get me wrong, but, like, we're talking about, like, a dominant big man. Like, Roy Hibbert got got into the – got into the all-star game dude and i love roy hibbard but like is he really an all-star yeah i don't know so look the center position has recovered nicely from the you know small ball era and it's in good hands got some young guys coming up that's going to be good uh so yeah overall like i think it's a win and we'll see what goes from there on that note jonathan how about you play us out bud Absolutely. Everyone go on over to Sixer Sense. Just published this article for Lucas Center Rankings. Give it a reading. Give us your comments. Um, and as always, we appreciate everyone listening to the Sixer Sense podcast. And you can go over to the SixerSense.com and read other of our work, too. We got tons of articles being pumped out. So uh, you'll definitely want to read them. And you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. So Please go and do that. And until next time, go Sixers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.